0: This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Facebook is Mass Surveillance. Is Orwellian. Facebook is Spiderweb.
1: Was Showstopper by the wonderful Peaches, and welcome to
2: Radiothon. I'm so excited. We've got a thousand bucks to raise, Envy. Yeah, we've got this. I hope so. Hey, look, it's on Radiothon. I think it's really important to acknowledge, as it always is, Indigenous elders, past, present, and emerging. Of course, here at 3CR, where we're raising money today, we have to acknowledge that we broadcast on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation, and that sovereignty was never ceded in this country. Envy, we have some great guests.
1: I am so excited because... With Radiothorn, what we're talking about here is giving voice to people who are usually silenced or marginalised in the mainstream media, and uh, we have four wonderful guests. You have the list there, but we have uh, Jane Green from the Vixen Collective speaking to us in a moment. Later on, we've got Nick Hollis, HIV activist and advocate, Chris Lamont, who is a HIV activist and academic, and later on, we have Nicole Lee, who is a disability rights and violence against women advocate. So... These are being past guests, which we've been very privileged to have on our show, and
2: we're going to see what their update in their lives are. Just titans of queer activism on the line. We have sex work law reform activist Jane Green from the Vixen Collective. Jane, how are you on this radiothon day here at Three CR?
0: I am good, busy as always, but good. Tell us
2: about how the campaign for sex work law reform in Victoria is going. What's the latest news?
0: Hectic as always. We've actually been up to a lot more than even I realised. I updated our calendar of what we've been doing this year just a couple of days ago and it made me feel better about just how tired I was, to be honest, because we'd done uh, even a lot more than I thought we got through over the last couple of months. We've been out, we spoke at a panel for Idaho, Hobbit, talking about reclaiming pride about the commercialisation and pinkwashing of Pride and issues that affect not just sex workers, but trans folk and queer people of colour. And I know that it's, it's something that I think I've spoken um, on In Your Face about before. There are uh, issues that come up every year for our community about our participation in Pride when there are other groups and organisations in that space that not only don't have a great history with the LGBTIQI plus community, Um, but have an active and ongoing presence of opposing the rights of sex workers who have such an intersection with the plus community. So that's an ongoing concern and makes us continually reflect on our presence in that space. So it was really good not only to talk about that in a public forum, but also to talk to other marginalised communities that face a lot of similar issues in that space.
2: Of course, last time we spoke, you highlighted that Vixen Collective doesn't get any government funding at all. And of course, there is no funded peer support for sex workers in Victoria, which is outrageous, considering, you know, back in the day, it was the first place possibly in the world to fund it. What's your message to uh, to Health Minister Jenny McCarcos about this? If she was listening, what would you like her to, to hear?
0: Well, we'd very much like for her to listen, and historically a big part of the problem has been that Jeanne McCarkey has refused to engage with our community, and that's an ongoing problem for sex workers, is that people don't listen directly to her. But the message is, in her new portfolio as health minister, she should be supporting the national HIV strategies, which highlight the need for peer organisations to be supported, that's part of the national strategies, and for the full decriminalisation of sex work to be supported, which is also part of the national strategies. And if she, as health minister, is not clearly supporting the national HIV and STI strategies, then that's a massive problem. And she should be called to account for
3: that. What about
2: Jill Hennessy? I know that during the state election campaign last year, when she was the health minister, she made a commitment to meet with Vixen Collective. Now, of course, that meeting is just as important because, of course, she's the attorney general whose portfolio would preside over getting through any legislation to decriminalise sex work in Victoria. What would you say to Jill if she was
3: listening?
0: Well, yeah, I'd reiterate that we're looking forward to her making good on that commitment. I think we'll be hoping that Parliament sitting in August would be an optimal time for that to happen. So, look, we're certainly pressing for that to occur. We were out on International Sex Worker Right today, rallying at State Parliament here in Melbourne, again, making loud and clear those messages. And so we certainly hope that people have heard that. There was also highlighting at that event a need for solidarity amongst marginalised communities to raise each other's voices and certainly key amongst those messages from the speakers that we had who were all uh, local Victorian sex workers was the need for solidarity with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, with migrants and the issues that migrants face across Australia and with trans folk and so I think there's a really strong dialogue around solidarity at the moment.
2: Jane, can we expect some activities from sex workers outside Parliament House pressuring the state government to legislate for law reform of sex work in Victoria and full decriminalisation?
0: Well, oh, possibly. I, I think, one, there are risks for sex workers in coming out in those public forums, particularly for the most marginalised members of our community who are people of colour, migrants and trans folks. So there's, there's limits to what some people can participate in. I will say there's been a lot of pressure from our organisation to work actively in the space around issues with police. So we've certainly seen a active push over the last few months and this will continue over the next few months on active work to improve reporting pathways for sex workers or victims of crime. And I've been involved in that work personally and certainly as someone who's open about being a survivor of sexual assault, that is very, this work I'm very personally connected to. And we've recently um, launched last week, last Thursday, in fact, through work with St Kilda Legal Service, a series of fact sheets for workers on rights with police and other authorities. And that's critically important for our community due to the incredible level of over-policing and intrusion of police and other authorities into sex workers' workplaces, which are the consequence of the way that the laws are written in Victoria. And it's not something that makes us safer, it actually risks our safety and it provides a barrier for workers actually reporting to police and accessing other authorities when we're victims of crime. So the laws, the way that they're written, place us in greater risk and that's something that continually needs to be raised with government and addressed.
1: And of course, this is our Radiothon show. If you can donate to our show, you can do that and pledge in on 0488 809 855 or call. We've got people waiting for your call on 9419 8377 to help reach our target and power radical radio and give voice to marginalized voices and those that are usually silenced by the mainstream media. Jane, this is MV. I just wanted to ask a quick question. It is our Radiothon. Why is it vital that independent media like Route 3CR exists and what is its vital role for people like yourself who work in an industry, who advocate for an industry which usually doesn't get a voice in mainstream media?
0: Oh, it's, it's profoundly important to, to sex workers but to marginalised communities across the board because independent media provides the space where our voices can be heard and we're so often completely shut out of mainstream media or mainstream media or and mainstream media are representing us in ways that reproduce stigma uh, and contribute to discrimination against us. Uh, that's just essential.
2: Jane Green, it's always great to chat with you on 3CR. We must have another chat when it's not Radiothon, but we really appreciate your support and telling people why they should ring nine four one nine eight three double seven and donate to In Your Face. And thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: Thanks, Jane. Cheers the wonderful Jane Green there from the Vixen Collective. It's uh, almost a quarter past four. You're on In Your Face on 3CR with James and MV.
1: Yes, and I just want to say
2: a quick thank you to some of the people that have
1: donated and pledged so far. We are very fortunate, and I won't read everybody out in one go, but here it is in backwards order. A big thank you to David Vajabedian, Brendan Bonsack, Jackie Brown. Is that your Jackie Brown?
2: My Jackie Brown. Former presenter (laughs) of this show. Amazing person. Fantastic. And we've got Jade
1: Chanel's as well and Tamara Coles. Wow. So that's just a a few of our wonderful donators. Thank you for supporting In Your Face, but ultimately supporting 3CR and independent media. Um, We really appreciate all your support and your love. And it's pretty incredible. think it's more chuffed. important
2: than ever, you know, after the AFP raiding the ABC, where, you know, it feels like a noose is, is tightening around the necks of outspoken journalism in this country. And that really demonstrates the need for a free, independent, outspoken media that's not going to be intimidated. And that certainly is 3CR. We're not beholden to corporations like so much of the mainstream media is, but it means we run off the smell of an oily rag and it Absolutely. means that we need your financial. <laughs> Support. So, if you can donate anything, nine four one nine eight three double seven.
1: All right, we'll play a couple of announcements and we'll be right back.
4: I have this theory that like people of color are queered by default.
2: 3CR Radio, that's independent, progressive, and making a difference.
5: Hi, I'm Maurice, and I'm Mario, and we're chronically chilled. chilled
2: a
1: program that aims to provide a platform to those living with chronic and invisible illness, as well as exploring topics that impact on our daily lives.
5: Listen to Chronically Chilled, the first Wednesday of every month at 6pm.
2: Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy,
0: aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender.
2: to pass on interface on three. with James and MV nine four one nine eight three double seven. We've got Nick Hollis in the studio. You have been a very busy activist, Nick.
4: There's always an issue
2: to talk about. So, what's the latest news that you have been working on? I mean, you've done U equals U. Tell us about that campaign.
4: Oh well, the U equals U campaign is ongoing. It's 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 endless. It's a really important global information message that's going absolutely everywhere at the moment. The good news is people might not know anyone living with HIV who's able to access medication can go on to get what's known as an undetectable viral load. That's the first U. And that means that their HIV is untransmittable. That's the second U. So U equals U stands for undetectable equals untransmittable. It is the extremely good news story that people living with HIV pose zero risk to their sexual partners. And they can conceive children without passing on HIV or going through the process of sperm washing,
2: which is massive and uh, has huge implications for future law reform as well. When do you think the law in Victoria is going to catch up with the with the science
4: we 're pretty good here in victoria, I have to say we 're very fortunate in that we have uh, you know a, uh, a a very progressive government when it comes to HIV uh, not in terms of everything but absolutely in terms of HIV and we are doubly fortunate that the current Attorney General here in Victoria, Jill Hennessy, is the former Health Minister and she was really fantastic around HIV and particularly you because you, they were the first state government, I think anywhere in the world, certainly in Australia, who signed on to the U equals U consensus statement, and currently they are the only state in Australia that signed on to the U equals U message. So we're in a pretty good place here in Victoria. In relation to HIV criminalisation and law and discrimination, there's always more work that can be done, but we are seeing a decrease in cases or instances of HIV criminalisation here in Victoria, which is a good news story as well, but we must always remain vigilant because those laws just shouldn't be on the books. Tell us about this consensus statement. The, yeah the u equals U consensus statement is uh, the work done by a international body called the prevention access campaign they're they're based out of new york city really it's just information. The exciting thing about the u equals u campaign, if you want to call it that, is that really it's just information, but it's information that has to get into the brains of, firstly, people living with HIV. So when we talk about U equals U, when we talk about living with HIV in 2019, we've got to make a fair bit of space for people living with HIV to actually believe the science around U equals U and modern HIV. It's all well and good to tell people living with HIV that when they take their medication and they get an undetectable viral load, they pose zero risk. But, you know, you you don't even have to have been living with HIV for a long time to struggle with that concept that you are actually uninfectious. It's a big deal for a lot of people, letting go of that fear. And then you've got the whole other problem of how you convince people, you know, quote-unquote, at risk of HIV, our potential partners, the people we are asking to love us and trust us. You know, and there's a lot that has to be done there. We're doing great work. Targeting, I think, the gay community, particularly the gay and bi community here, and you know, Fitzroy in in the bubble, it's getting better and better. We're seeing more HIV negative gay and bi men, including trans men, go on prep, believe the U equals U message. But it's a big country out there. And if we look where HIV rates are going up, it's not amongst gay and by men. It's in rural and regional Australia with First Nations communities. It's heterosexual people, especially those going on overseas trips or coming back from abroad. And it is in overseas-born gay and by men. So international students, for example, here in Melbourne, they all need the message. And the messages we've been putting out there for 30-plus years have been largely driven towards gay and by men so now we've got to work even harder to reach these communities that are a little bit harder for us to reach and i guess the message changes according to which community you're trying to reach as well hugely absolutely and and it's not it's certainly not a single message for all those communities and then even within within those non-dominant groups you know how you literally communicate in language to you know, uh Vietnamese international students versus mainland China versus Thai versus Indian, et cetera, like those things require actual translations, like let alone culturally appropriate messaging. It needs to be done in language at scale. And then you've got a whole bunch of other issues with those other communities I'm talking about. You know, obviously the, the health gap and health literacy and access and trust for uh, Indigenous people around this country, there is a very valid reason why those communities uh, have concerns about, you know, white uh, health practitioners and politicians wandering into their communities and telling them uh, health messaging. Uh, that You know, the message of trust there needs to really come from within the community and then the Broader problem of uh, what do you do with, you know, just mainstream heterosexual Australian HIV rates because the government cannot afford to, unfortunately, put every single sexually active heterosexual person on PrEP. It's just not going to work that way. So, how you finesse and target that message without creating a kind of widespread panic is a tricky question. Thankfully, we've got phenomenal advocates in all of those space doing that work. You know, I'm a uh, white, cisgendered, queer. Man living with HIV. What we need to be doing now is elevating the voices of people who are in or of these communities. So we're doing this work. We've just got to get them out there. It sounds like about fifty campaigns are needed. <laughs> Which one's next? I know, I know. There's so there's always there's always a million campaigns going and that's kind of life at the moment. But yeah, uh, it's it's going to get a lot more complex before we hit that sweet spot of seeing genuine numbers dropping in in HIV across these non-dominant communities and groups.
1: Just want to say, if you've just tuned in, you are listening to In Your Faces Radiothon. If you want to text your pledge, you can on zero four double eight eight zero nine eight double five, or call us on nine four one nine eight three double seven. That's nine four one nine. Eight three double seven, our target is one thousand dollars, but we can also do with more to power radical radio. I do want to
2: ask Nick a thing. Is I was the... just going to say one thing, though. Paul Please. Kidd has donated $100. Thank you, Paul Kid. Oh, Thanks, Paul. Kid, Kidd, if you're listening,
4: you virtue signal and I'm going I'm <laughs> to have to match that. <laughs> I love to. Paul. Sorry if you're listening out there. Paul Kidd is uh, one of our greatest assets here in Victoria in the HIV and LGBT space. He is an extraordinary leader, and I call him my HIV uncle. So love you, Uncle Paul.
1: Well, whilst we're on um, calling out some pledges out there and some shout-outs, I will shout-out a couple other people. Lennox Diamonds... Thanks, babe. Thanks, Lennox. Ju- <laughs> Juliet Fox, thank you. Juliet. Sally Goldner, awesome. And also one of those continual, what do you call it? Continual contribution from Andrew Harvey from Waranala in New South Wales. So we interviewed about a year and a half ago. And they
2: have been giving us 10 bucks a fortnight ever since then, which is like extraordinary. Forever. So that's
1: wow. Amazing. So thank you so much for supporting Radical Radio and supporting 3CR and in your face. Nick, you are on the Drum Media ABC and you're talking about toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Can you unpack that a little bit more? I mean it seemed like the other panelists were cis white people mm-hmm. yes but you were on the panel as a cis white queer male mm-hmm. and speaking about your experiences about toxic masculinity and you're growing up can you
4: flesh out a bit more sure absolutely i mean that was a um i think that was a really interesting uh, opportunity jumping on the drum and talking about maleness in australia masculinity and toxic masculinity i was absolutely uh, invited on to give a, a more of a queer perspective everyone else on the panel apart from uh, jane caro uh, were men and i think that was a that's a very intentional focus and anyone who works in uh, trying to limit the the horrific impact of men's fam- uh, men's violence and family violence Will know, unfortunately, that uh, men listen to men when it comes to these kind of stories um, and experiences. Uh, I wish it wasn't the case, but that's what the evidence shows us. So when you put, when you get men to talk about violence in that way, it does help shift the conversation. I think that was the ABC's intention with that. It was uh, the experience being on was was absolutely fantastic. Interestingly, it was the first time I think I've ever experienced a sustained kind of um, blowback online for some of the comments that i made and it revealed to me just how uh, fractured and poisonous and toxic men's attachment to their to their masculinity and how threatened so many men feel by being asked to examine their privilege as men and and the impact that toxic masculinity has uh, on all of us there is such a, a you know, fingernail digging into the flesh, resistance to talking about this and acknowledging stuff. What did people say? Oh, you know. Oh, look, it's it's it was fine. It was. I mean, it was nothing compared to what I know my female and femme colleagues who, um, you know, have Twitter profiles and and will we'll go on the media and talk about stuff experience every single day. So, you know, I copped about a week of it or so. It was really revealing to me, though, in that, you know, I talk about queer stuff and HIV and be out there as a uh, person living with HIV, you know, a uh, you know, former sex worker and stuff like that. And thought I'd copped, you know, a bit of stuff over the years from, from gay men, asking them to kind of examine their thinking on these kind of topics. But nothing, nothing compared to the vitriol and, and uh Anger being projected back towards the entire world by some of these men, um, and it made me realise a just oh, what a thankless uh, job that women, particularly women on the front lines of the family violence and, and men's violence space, do, and uh, you know uh, the the women who put themselves out there in the media. Uh, to talk about this uh, in a meaningful way, the stuff they cop. You know, I've, I've obviously, I have a lot of respect for them, but I have even more so now.
2: So you've got metres of toxic trolling. <laughs>
4: yeah, metres of it, metres of it, metres of it. But it's, you know, it's, not, it's not about what I went through by any stretch of the imagination, but it really revealed to me where the conversation's at and how much work we've got
2: to do tell people why they should ring 94198377, Nick?
4: Oh, you absolutely have to call and pledge to the Radiothon if you can. Spaces for us in the media to talk about LGBTIQA plus issues are shrinking. We've just lost the Star Observer. We're, We're losing more and more of the spaces where we can speak about this stuff in a way that reflects back our community's experience. So much of the media is talking about queer issues now, which is fantastic, but Every conversation feels like it's the first conversation. Every newspaper article has to explain to the broader audience you know, what, what the community is going through. And spaces like this are so important because we don't have to do the introductory stuff. We can really deep dive into the issues and this space is getting less and less available to us. So it's so important. So please call. Pledge. Be like Paul Kidd.
2: Hey, we've got a few more donations. Raya, 10 bucks. Thank you, Raya. Leanne, $10. Thank you. And the wonderful Danny Rowe, twenty dollars. That is just awesome. Thank you, Raya. Thank you, Leanne. And thank you, Danny, nine four one nine, eight three double seven or SMS. On zero four double eight eight oh nine and eight double eight double five. Yeah. Text in your
1: pledge. We'd love to hear from you.
2: Now I have to ask you, Nick, what's happening on RuPaul's Drag Race that you can report on because you're My, a huge fan. <laughs> I am a
4: huge, huge fan. And, and this season was the first season in many years that I haven't recapped it for junkie.com anymore. Really? Yeah. I've, I've Disappointing. I, I am disappointed. I'm disappointed in myself. A, a fantastic new recapper has picked up the mantle and is doing better work than I could have done. So that's nice to see that you know the tradition is, is ongoing at junkie because it was uh, such a fun job. Oh my God, I am so grateful that we have a bit of a break because it has been... Relentless. I feel like we have been in back-to-back RuPaul's Drag Race seasons for 15 years and I'm really happy that we have at least a little bit of time off. I'm super excited uh, that Drag Race UK is coming because that, I think, is going to be the shot in the arm and the renewal that we need. If anyone out there uh, is a fan, you will know that we've kind of been on a bit of a hamster wheel with the show for a while and a whole UK cast are going to be so fantastic because if anyone spent any time uh, ex- enjoying the... UK queer drag scene it is it is much closer to what we have here in Melbourne so what they put on TV and watching RuPaul try and pop psychologize and interpret this awesome UK drag is going to be something to watch
2: do we need this is a rhetorical question do we need Drag Race
4: Melbourne can you imagine? I'd be the host. I, uh, <laughs> I'd love. I would love to see a Drag Race Australia. Uh, uh, just like with other versions of American import reality TV shows that come here. Um, there is such a fantastic uh, I guess disconnect from that aspirational American everyone's going to be a star mentality to to this kind of Australian piss elegant Kath and Kim kind of quality about things and like Australia's Next Top Model and Project Runway Australia uh, were just like you know a bit shit and a bit daggy in the best possible way so I think I'd love to see an Australian drag race Uh, something tells me no one's bringing it out here anytime soon but we'll have to live vicariously through our colonial overlords in the uk nicole it's always great to see you at 3cr thanks for coming in thanks for
2: having me thank
1: you so much and here is the cure with primary were there primary fantastic i just want to read out a few more pledges you are on in your faces uh radiothon show for 2019 uh, a bit of a shout out to adrian Hingston. thank you for donating to 3cr anastasia Yay. lafay john langer fanchi lou mitchell larry george maxwell and jody moore thank you so much for supporting independent media we really love that you are supporting us, the show, and 3CR in general.
2: Absolutely. I'm feeling the love. That is just so amazing that people are donating. Uh, 9419 8377, or you can SMS 0488 MV. We have a very special guest on the phone. Chris Lamont
1: is an infectious disease physician at Monash University and president of the Victorian African Health Action Network. He's also got a PhD from the University of Melbourne that he achieved in 2014 for the research on HIV in Victoria's African communities. And uh, welcome, Chris.
6: Hi, how are you going? Hey,
1: so nice to have you back on the show. We interviewed you last year in late November during the World's Aid Day lead up. And uh, it was such a pleasure to have you on our amazing symposium that was um, convened by Natalie Brown. Tell me what has been the update with the work that you've been doing with Vahan, the Victorian African Health Action Network. Okay, so
6: we've continued to try to work with organizations from the positive uh, organizations, so people living with HIV and working with the uh, the groups that are, you know, organizing research as well and policy and also with African communities trying to build links with different African communities and raise the awareness of HIV as an issue that's relevant. We also do some work around hepatitis B and C as well and uh, sexual health.
2: Chris, I was just going to ask, it's James here, what are some of the ways, techniques that you develop messages that are appropriate for African communities about HIV prevention? And it must be challenging because of course African communities aren't homogeneous groups.
6: That's exactly right. It is mainly about talking and listening and finding out what people's experience already is. A lot of people actually have got knowledge, either personal experience or they've been working in HIV or the health sector in Africa and elsewhere before they came to Australia. So, yeah, there's a lot of people who, some of them work in health-related areas here. So there might be doctors or nurses or researchers here or working in aged care. But they might be doing something completely unrelated. But previously, have worked as doctors or nurses, or in health promotion in, in the refugee camps, or in the countries that they've, uh, you know, were born in, grew up
1: in. Can, um, Chris this is MV again. Can can you sort of unpack the ideas and notions about, you know, stigma and the isolation of people that experience and are living with HIV, especially in African communities?
6: So it is still quite stigmatized, and there's a bit of a disconnect between the people who came to Australia years ago and have kind of been living in Australia for, for many years in a place where there's not much HIV and it's not very visible in Australian media from countries where they, it was quite common where they came from and it was plastered like billboards and there were people talking about it all the time. And it's really interesting because some people came before there was treatment available in African countries. And so their experience is really quite bad because they saw people got sick and died and were avoided by, you know, those around them, for fear of contagion and all sorts of things. And then there's not really any message in Australia to counter that that speaks to people who are not, you know, white and and male because most of the the billboards you see around town or messages in bus stops and things like that don't really speak to, you know, people outside that demographic. So if you've got that experience, it's really vivid and you come here and there's nothing to counteract it, then that stays. And so there are people who have been here for many years who have got uh, ideas about HIV that are, you know, more from the, you know, 1980s and 1990s. And then you've got people who have come much more recently who have got experience of what it's like to be in a place where treatment is available and people are living well and looking well and, you know, just taking medication, but, you know, like any other chronic condition. And so trying to bridge the gap between those perceptions is part of what we do. You know, within our own group we've got people who've been here a long time and people who've come quite recently and a really, you know, quite a wide spectrum of experience. And then sort of through our networks trying to have conversations and, and try and you know bring people to a shared understanding that's more up to date with what the reality is now
2: it sounds like the victorian health department needs to fund a campaign a very visual campaign for example about hiv prevention among african communities would you say that's needed
6: absolutely yeah and i think it's it's partly it's the numbers of people that are affected is quite small so i mean i guess if you're a, a government and you go with the numbers it's very easy to miss small groups and especially if it's small groups who are not Homogeneous. So if you've got people that are you know, quite literate in, you know, and, and fluent in English, and then you've got people who speak completely different languages, and then having those people in the same room, you need someone to interpret and so on. So I can see the complexity of it, but at the same time, I don't think it's good to neglect people just because there are not many of them who are affected, because everybody contributes to society and everybody you know, is part of it. So I think there does need to be more attention than there has been, yeah.
1: And What strategies do you think can be put in place to, you know, in, incorporate and be inclusive in relation to HIV treatments, access to resources and information, healthcare, and just trying to break down that sort of academic language in relation to people living with HIV?
6: I think there is work that is being done. So there's people like the Centre for Ethnicity and Health who uh, have done a long, a long record of uh, health promotion in this area, and their way of doing things is you know, to build build those conversations and relationships over time. But, you know, they're a small group and they can only do so much. There are other groups like the, the Positive Women, so the support and advocacy group for women living with HIV. They're making a conscious effort to be more culturally inclusive and to get African and other women to be more involved in their activities. And Living Positive Victoria, trying consciously to be much more, you know, reach out much more beyond the... You know the easy inner-city demographic, which has been the mainstay of their work so far. So everybody is doing their bit, and it's really just keeping those conversations going and uh, building over time. What hasn't happened, I think, is there hasn't been a lot of involvement from non-HIV-focused organisations who have to do with African communities. So there are a number of you know ethnic associations, and there are other groups who are you know include a lot of African people, but health is not usually a major focus, and when it is, it's usually to do with mental health or substance use and things like that that affect much more, you know, higher numbers of people. And so trying to get people to be more... to put HIV on the same page and start talking about that, I mean, that's, that's part of what we're trying to do.
1: Of course, it is our Radiothon, and the theme this year for 3CR is to power radical radio and to give voices to marginalised folk, people that are usually silenced by the mainstream media... That's the type of people that we have on this program and all over 3CR. For you, why do you think it's important that we have independent media so that we can have a more equitable media landscape?
6: Oh, I think it's so important to, to give voice to people who, who would otherwise be drowned out in the white noise. It's just having a diverse media is crucial because otherwise those conversations just don't happen. And so organisations like 3CR... we can give a voice and and a critical voice to stories which would otherwise basically run over a whole bunch of people's lives. At least it's it's good to have someone sort of shouting from underneath the wheels and say, look, it doesn't have to be like this. So I really, really appreciate 3CR and other independent radio and independent media. It's an important role.
1: And we really appreciate you joining us as well, Chris. It's, It's such a treat, and I know you're at home and you're, you know... Attending to your domesticities at the moment, so we really appreciate the time that you've taken to speak with us to speak about the update on your work. Just to wrap it up, where can people find more information about the stuff that
6: you do? So, there's a website it's vahan.com.au, V-A-H-A-N.com.au. or you can just Google it, and uh, I'm also you can find me at Monash Help as well, where I work just wanted to draw people's attention. There's an event happening at the Multicultural Hub on Thursday, the 20th of June, 4.30pm, which is called MCAN Forum Access for All, which is um, looking at on World Refugee Day, broadening access to HIV treatment for everybody, not just people who have Medicare. So that's something where people, if you're interested in equity of you know, access to treatment and support for people with HIV That's something that would be an interesting debate
2: there. Absolutely, and it ties into that theme of governments have to look after the forgotten people or the people who don't have access to the entitlements that other people take for granted to maintain their health.
6: Yeah, such an important part, because if people get forgotten, you know, they don't disappear.
1: Life is just a lot harder than it needs to be. Chris, thank you so much for joining us, for including us in your conversation and for helping us to power Radical Radio with your amazing commentary and news Have a wonderful evening, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you really soon.
6: Thanks very much, James and MV, and good luck with everything, and all power to
1: you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. And that was Chris Lamar from, Chris Lamar, rather, a physician at Monash Health and president of the Victorian African Health Action Network and also PhD for his research in HIV in Victoria's
2: African communities. 9419 8377, it's thumb. we're in your face. And should we read out some more supporters? Because
1: we have a few more. Do you have a list there or do I have the list? You've got the list. I've got the list. I have to do all the talking. All right, here we go. We've got Carla Perry. We've got William Pitt. We've got Anya Saravat. Thanks, Anya. Gilda. Gilda Traop. Oh.
2: Gilda! Gilda is a professor at Burnett Institute who talked to us about the so-called HIV cure and has this Correct. amazing scientific knowledge. Thanks, Gilda. That was Gilda Tachadijian. And
1: also we've got Miss Alison Thorne of... Thorne Harbour Health. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alison. Thanks, Alison. We've also got Andy Wallace... Kelly Whitworth, and we've also got $50 from two anonymous people as well. So thank you so much for supporting. (laughs) Love you, Anon. Thank you for supporting independent media. We are so appreciative. Do you reckon we should do a
2: song? Yes, because then, after the song, we've got Nicole Lee, the wonderful disability rights, family violence prevention activist in the studio. We've got Kanye West with Ghost Town.
7: Someday I wanna lay down like I did on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, I remember these songs. Sunday, that way, yeah, way, way, that mm-hmm. oh. Someday, I want to take a bite. Someday, I want to hit the red, gotta
3: never. you go. Oh, Set it off. Someday we gon' get this off, baby. Don't you bet it all. On a path of falling off, you might think they wrote you off. They gon' have to roll me off. Someday the drama be gone and mm-hmm. Sometimes I take all the shine, Talk like I drank all the wine. Here's a head, but way behind. I'm on one, two, three, four, five. No half choosers, naked minds. Caught between space and time. This now with the word in mind. But maybe someday. I've been trying to make you love me. But everything I try Just takes you further from me Whoa. once again I am a child I, I let go. go of everything that I know Yeah, of everything that I know We're still the kids we used to be. Yeah, yeah. I put my hand on a stove to see if I still bleed. Yeah. And nothing hurts anymore. I feel kind of free. We're still the kids we used to be. To see if I still be. And nothing hurts anymore. I feel kind of free. We're still the kids we used to be. I put my hand on a stone. To see if I still be. We're still the kids we used to be. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I put my hand on a stove to see if I still bleed. Yeah. And nothing hurts anymore. I feel kind of free.
2: West there, Ghost Town. It is nine minutes to five run in your face on 3CL with James and MV. And we're joined of course by Nicole Lee. And we've got some donations, MV.
1: We've got some donations as well. This is um, amazing Belinda Walsh. Um, Lennox's mum, by the way, um, has pledged $100. Oh, Gavinda, my God. Um, Ten bucks. Uh, my friend SJ, Naveen Abduladi who's been a guest on this show. Thanks, Naveen. And good friend Diane Voynescu. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much for supporting Independent
2: Media. And there's more. Deidre Williams. Thank you. Sky Wilkins. William Anger, who was on the show from the wonderful Mode Black. Clary Brown and Zero Scar of Crucible Tattoo. They've all donated in your face. We need your support. We're on air for another eight minutes. That number 94198377. And we have
1: Nicole Lee, who is a survivor of, of sexual assault and is also an advocate for disability rights and the prevention of family violence. Your focus is with violence perpetrated against all women, including those with disabilities. Yeah. And you were on our show at the end of November last year. Yes, I was. When we're in the midst of the 16 days of activism, which was such a timely um, timely position to speak about the advocacy work that you do. Yeah, Tell us what you've been up to recently.
8: Oh, my goodness. Everything and anything at the moment I've Tell been up to. Tell us about all of it. Uh, well, I've been on the drum three times now, which is pretty huge in, in, when you think about inclusion for people with a disability. So to be brought into sort of such a big media space is a huge step. Pardon the, <laughs> the, the word, step. So a huge uh, movement forwards, I guess, for the disability community and for myself, for my own advocacy and, and the message that I bring around the anti-violence and, and violence against women uh, message as somebody with a lived experience being brought in there as, as an actual expert commentator on the debate rather than just being, uh, I guess, sidelined to the side as just being a victim over there that uh, isn't capable of, of speaking out and speaking confidently on the topics.
1: And it's interesting when people, use the term victim and there's also versus survivor you know because it, it does place empowerment on you mm. when you speak of yourself as a survivor of assault and violence I yeah. think that's where the narrative needs, to, needs yeah. to change otherwise it's underpinned with this negativity and you know
8: yeah well it's well, not that at all yeah no it's not that at all and and, and people tend to get very uh, paternalistic of victim survivors as well in that space and and you know uh, and and rightfully so for sometimes you know there's a way that uh, people's voices do get overused and abused for not so uh, ethical reasons. But it's sort of trying to tread that fine line when somebody's asking you to come and do something to you and do they really want my valued insights or are they just looking for a bit of tragedy porn here. And making sure that I'm navigating that really well too um, is... But- I think I've been doing that well and I think other people have been managing to do that well and pushing back on people like, you know, if, if I tell my story, what's, this, what's, what's the purpose of me telling my horror story right now? What are people going to gain? You know, not much. Making people think about their actions as well.
2: And I guess we really need more government funding for family violence prevention campaigns focusing on women with
4: disabilities.
8: Yeah, well, all the different diverse communities Absolutely. need funding, and and it's getting into that intersectional approach and getting people to see and government to recognise, which they've been doing a fair bit of that, um, sort of looking at the intersect between, you know, it's not just disability, but the added, uh, I guess, layers of, of when people are marginalised, so it's, you know, disability and maybe LGBTI or called or Indigenous, and looking at the layers of oppression and not just looking at people as you know two dimensional I'm not just the person with a disability you know there's so many different aspects to who I am and and my interaction with the world and the same with other people and trying to see that you know people as being complex and and multifaceted and you know we need more funding and understanding to to go to these different diverse communities to start fleshing out all of those different areas and elements so you can't just you know throw money at I guess the, the rainbow community without thinking well that also includes people with a disability and how do we fit everybody who comes under this banner and, and how do we support everybody within this community so trying to see communities is not just being static as well um that you know that whole that the, the, you know, the nature of intersectionality you know is that nobody's identity is just one thing it's you know so crosses over into so many areas and so many boundaries and um you know when people include things in their literature and their language, you know, really fleshing that out better. And I think we're probably on the cusp of being able to really do that more uh, holistically and, and beneficially for the public as well.
1: And what do you think are the sort of major misconceptions people have of people with a disability that intersects into feminism that, you know, if you, if you're queer or something else, you know, there's always some pushback and the, people not being inclusive of people that intersect with disability and what have you, what are the the common misconceptions that you come across and, you know, how do you counteract that and be subversive?
8: I guess people tend to forget that we're here and that we're part of your community. When you start thinking about feminism, okay, we'll just include women, but, you know, women are diverse, you know, include all women. So trying to get people to realise, you know, the whole gender equality debate that um, it's not just about having 50% men to women. It's the diversity of those 50% men to women and you know, making sure that of that 50% for, for both the men and women that they all need to be diverse. So it's not gender, it's not equality if they're all straight, white, able, neurotypical, cisgendered. That's not equality. That is still one cohort of the community just represented equally male to female. So, yeah, it's, it's all of that complexity and reminding people that we're here. And I think that tends to get forgotten because people are so pushing so much of their own agenda because it's so personal and it's and it's so big to them and it's just that little tap on the shoulder. Yeah, don't forget about us. We're over here. We are part of. I am part of. You know, this. I'm not part of the rainbow community, but I am an ally. But. Yeah, but I know other people who are and and as far as like feminism goes, you know, reminding feminists in that space that, you know, you've got to bring other women up with you and that's not a threat that's actually just making the debate much richer and fuller and more valuable.
2: And we need more people with disabilities in our parliaments as well. Yes. Now I have to ask you, will you run again? Oh,
8: <laughs> I'm sure we'd love to. We need a whole lot more support next time if we were going to throw our hat into the ring again. Don't know yet. Watch this space. Still watch this space, I think.
2: Yeah. Now, look, it's three to five. We're almost out of here. But, MV, this is your last show after three years of In Your Face.
1: Oops. I guess it is my last <laughs> show. I've taken on a different roles and aspects here at 3CR, part of the board and, and have the You're role. you the secretary As the sec- of the board now. <laughs> secretary, I know. And so that's a, a larger role. So wow. I'm just stepping back so I can concentrate on the more executive role. Here, I've been on the board of 3CR and the Committee of Management, but... I'm here. I'll be the wind beneath your wings, or I'm and something, on the like code
2: as well. Look, <laughs> exactly. well, just a small token of how wonderful it's been working with you. Stop Here's notes. a little present from me. Thank you.
1: That's really nice, and I don't like opening. This. No, don't if open people, it on so there. I will Open this open later. It later. <laughs> thank Nicole, you, Nicole thank Lee. You. Nicole thank Lee, you. thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, always such a treat. Thank you for coming in and hanging yeah. up with us. We would. I'm love glad I
8: got to meet you before you. Your last. Chance. Oh no,
1: no, this won't be the last time. Oh. We will. We'll, you and I will intercept because um, I would love to have you on uh, on some of the other programs that awesome. I help out that with. That would but be great. Thank you for supporting independent media, for supporting three CR because I know
2: <laughs> you've been on other programs as well. So it's There's, amazing. Yeah, always. And thank you to all those people who have supported us during the Radiothon, all those people that rang in, all those people who donated online, via GiveNow, whatever. We couldn't keep going without you. Thank you for supporting queer, independent, progressive community radio.
1: Absolutely. Well, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, and please continue supporting Radical Radio and 3CR. Lots of love.
7: Bye. Five, four, three, four. Two,
0: one.
5: You're listening to 3CR Community Radio.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.